Listen to these powerful words from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has have clean hearts, or clean hands, and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive the blessing of the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates. And be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. Psalm 24 is a, uh, a royal psalm. It's a psalm used in the, in the christening of the kings when, uh, when, they became, uh, when they came to power. Listen to these powerful words again from Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Um, some translations say the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Just pause for a second to think about those words. How often we don't even think that they're really true. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. There is nothing in this world that God cannot point to and say, that's mine. Absolutely nothing. No part of this world, no part of your life, not even you. How strong are these words? How differently would we live if we took them seriously? Your job is not yours, it's the Lord's. Your house is not your house, it's the Lord's. Your car, that's the Lord's too. Your children, they're the Lord's. Your grandchildren, they're not yours. They're the Lord's. That's what this text says. Your paycheck is the Lord's. Everything that you have, everything that you are, you wouldn't get that paycheck if it wasn't for the gifts that God has given you and the the job that God has provided for you. If you don't think that your children are a gift from God, talk to families who never could have them. Everything in the world is the Lord's. How often we don't believe that. How often we live as if that is not true. And the Lord who gives everything wants to bless. I don't know that that means God wants us all to be healthy and wealthy. It seems like that's not true of most of the biblical characters. But God wants to pour out his blessing to be with us in difficult times. And who will receive those blessings? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. This text says, lift up, you gate, lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted up, O ancient doors. 
It's calling out for the people of God to open up their lives to this God who has given them everything. Everything that you have is yours. It's foolishness to have a gate to keep out the one person that gave you everything you got. It's theirs anyway. God calls us to be stewards, to take care of the things that God has given for us. And probably the hardest part for us to deal with, the one thing the Bible talks about more than probably anything else, is finances. Jesus teaches something related to finances up to about a quarter of his teaching. He talks about it more than prayer. Jesus talks about money more than prayer in the Bible. Now, it's hard to talk about money. It's hard because this is an area that we like to keep God out of. After all, we earned our paycheck. It's hard because we see it only as supporting the church. In fact, even as I talk about it up here from the pulpit, it's going to sound like I'm just after your wallets, doesn't it? It's an awkward moment, so we don't talk about it ever. But the Bible talks about it all the time. In fact, even the way we talk about it in the church, I think, is problematic. We talk about giving money to the church, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we give our money to the Lord because it's all His anyway. Giving involves so much more than taking care of our church. In fact, the Bible doesn't even talk about us giving to take care of the church all that much. And don't we need to hear this message at this time of year? We're about to celebrate Thanksgiving. Immediately after, the more popular holiday will come. Not Christmas. Black Friday. So we go all, get all thankful for all the stuff that we have, and then we, we practically run into each other in parking lots and line up for hours outside in the cold to buy more and more stuff. And Black Friday has now become, I don't remember what they call Saturday anymore, There's an online day and the sales just keep going. And now most stores are open on Thursdays. Right after the day and even during the day that we are supposed to be thankful. Today I want to talk about money. And I'm going to talk about it really directly. And if it makes you uncomfortable, I'm the one talking about it. I'm really uncomfortable. So have some compassion here. But I think this is important because I think our finances is one of the ways where God really gives us an opportunity to draw close to him. It's one of the areas where we can grow probably as people in America today. Spiritually, we can grow further than any other area. If you start getting this right, I think it will have more of an impact on your life than, than even some of times when we pray. Because this is an area where we tend to shield God out of. And it's a problem. So I want to give you some principles of stewardship today. Some things that I think we ought to think about in stewardship. Principle number one. This will be on the screen so you can fill out your, uh, your insert in the bulletin. We've already said. Principle number one of stewardship. Everything comes from God. Everything comes from God, from Psalm 50. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. There's nothing here that is from God, that that is ours. It's all from God. Even the stuff that we earn, even the stuff that we buy, ultimately comes from God. 
because God gave us the gifts and the abilities and the opportunities to earn those things. If you don't think that's true, talk to people who don't have those opportunities around the world. We are so blessed. God gives us time. He gives us gifts and abilities. He gives us passion. He gives us people in our lives. He gives us our church. He gives us our children and our grandchildren, our parents, our environment. All these things come from God. And point number two, we are entrusted to care for and develop what we steward. God gives it to us as a trust. He calls us to take care of the things that God puts before us to take care of. But notice, they're still His. They're still His. They still belong to God. It's like you being a manager of a company that you don't own. You have a lot of say about what happens in that company. But it's still not your company. Your life is like that. Your life is a company. The, the gifts that you have, the time that you spend, the, the money that you earn and the money that you spend, all that belongs to God and is given to you as a trust. You have the authority to take care of it. We were meant to do this. This is what Adam and Eve were put in the garden to take care of God's creation. Put in charge of, rule over, have dominion over what God has put before them. I want to ask you today, why do you think God did that? For heaven's sakes, don't you think God could do a better job than we could of a lot of this? Christians have been one of the worst things for the church in, in history. All these people messing up, but God calls us to be stewards. Why? Point number three. God calls us to be stewards so that we can have relationship with Him as Lord. I intend there to say two things. One is that God calls us to have relationship with Him. God God could just rule the world and have us just kind of be there. But God wants to work with us. After all, it is the very nature of God to give and be generous, right? For God so loved the world that He what? He gave. It is the very nature of God to give. And when we give of our lives, of our time, of our finances, we do what, not only do we do what God calls us to do, but we act Christ-like, which is what we're all called to do. And in doing so, we have this great relationship with God, especially since we are, in fact, having to trust Him to take care of us. It's not just any relationship, though. It's relationship with Him as Lord, that we obey, that we are just our lives around Him. Matthew 6.24 is so powerful. He said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Period. Jesus sets it up as a dichotomy. There's money over here and there's God, and you're going to serve one of these two things, and you can't halfway serve either of them. If your heart is trying to divide between two things, it's the easiest way, the surest way to have a broken heart. You're going to have one Lord, and Jesus challenges us that it can't be money. Stewardship, when we take care of the things God provides for us, we show Him to be Lord in our lives. God also calls us to be stewards, number four, so that we can be a witness. Matthew 15 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand it gives light to the whole house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others so that you, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There are a lot of people that stress about money. There are a lot of people in this world that spend and spend and spend. In fact, we overspend. It's one thing to go into debt for a house or maybe for a car or maybe for an education, but we go into debt over everything. It's like expected of us. In fact, it's not considered to be very capitalist if we don't go into debt. How different we would look to the world if we as Christians took better care of our stewardship. How different we would look if we didn't stress about money, but we trusted God by being generous. Christians could be beacons of hope, a light on a hill. If we were smarter in this area, it would stand out in our world that is so messed up in this area. People don't, just, people don't try to get out of debt. They just try to manage their debt. It's a different world. The early church stood out because of their generosity. I want you to know that. You can look at church history. You can look at the Gospel of Acts. And what you find is that the church, because they were so generous, because they shared of their lives, because they took care of the poor, they took care of widows, they stood out to the world. The early church started the first orphanages, started the first hospitals, and even when they were in great persecution, took care of those who, when they got plagues, when they got sick, they had persecuted the Christians. But the Christians were generous with them anyway. And at, at a number of points in church history, it was the generosity of the church that, that made many, many people recognize that God was at work in their midst. Our world desperately needs this kind of witness. Now, number five. The Bible gives the tithe as a guideline. Malachi 3.10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. There's a couple other verses there, but a couple of notes about a tithe. The word literally means a tenth. That's what it means, a tenth. Now, the tithe is actually not talked about all that much in Scripture. It's not talked about barely at all in the New Testament. It seems to be much less a law or a rule and much more of sort of a guideline or a rule of thumb. So you might say, kind of what, what, what does the Bible give as, as like what I have to give? Well, the Bible doesn't really do that the same way. The Bible thinks that you ought to be led by the Lord to give what you should give. But the rule of thumb in the Old Testament especially was a tenth. Now, is that gross or net? Well, there was no gross or net when the Bible was written. So you're going to have to... I personally think that whatever Uncle Sam takes shouldn't have any impact on what God gets. Um, But I'm an idealist, and I'm going to talk about my giving a little bit later. Um, But 10%, that's the rule of thumb. If you actually go back and look at the Old Testament, what you're going to find is that they gave 10% of their grain, of their animals, right off the bat. But they also had all kinds of special offerings. If you add it up... The Jews of the Old Testament were required to give about 23%, somewhere in there. Hugely different than what we give today. The average Christian gives about 2.5% of their income um, in, in generous contributions. It's not anywhere close to the Old Testament. It is of first fruits, which means that you don't give God what's left over. This drives me crazy. That we as Christians, I do this all the time. And it drives me crazy that I do it all the time. We want to give God whatever's left over. Whatever's at the end. That's not how God 
says to give. He says, give of your first fruits. Give right away. I'm going to tell you right now, if you wait to give God what's left over at the end of the month, you're going to find that there's never any left over at the end of the month. You give to first what you think is most important. And that's what the tithe should be. Again, it's a guideline. It's a rule of thumb. The other question is, does it have to go to the church? This is an interesting question because church finances in this day was totally different. I believe God ought to lead you in that area. I think the way the Bible talks about the storehouse, the the church is where a lot of that should go. I really do. In fact, when I call for the offering, I'm going to say, let us give to God his tithes and our offerings. That that phrase sort of assumes, A, that you're giving it to God, B, that it's, it's a tithe that you're definitely giving to God, and offerings are anything above that. What I also think is important here is that it does go to God and not to the church. We talk about it way too much as giving to the church. I just don't think that's biblical. In fact, one of the things that we've done as a session as a church is um, we, we've stopped putting the financials into the bulletin every month. Because I, I fear that if we have the financials in the bulletin every week, then what we end up doing is trying to give God as little as possible. If the goal is to take care of the church, then I can judge, well, I'll give as little as possible to take care of the church. If you want that information, there's a bulletin board out here we've been posting. And uh, you can talk to me or Frank or anybody else on session. We can get you the financial statements. Those are public knowledge. You can have those anytime you want. But giving is not about supporting the church. Giving is about giving to God. Supporting the church happens because God uses it to take care of the church. I hope that makes sense. And so if God calls you to give to something other than the church in a certain month, then you do it. You do what God calls you to do. But I happen to think that as a church, we're doing some really great stuff. And I think it is a good place to give. God wants us, number six, to live simple and generous lives. 2 Corinthians 9. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God wants us to live simply, to not have as much. It's all over the scriptures. Because he wants us to be able to be generous. The Bible does not speak highly of debt. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is is the slave of the lender. The Bible does not speak highly of that. It speaks highly of living within your means. Of living as to the poor so that you can be generous to others. So that you can give by sacrificing of yourself. Number seven, we can trust God to take care of us. This is a big one. This is why it's number seven. It's why it's the last of these principles. Philippians 4.19 says, And God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that everything in the world is Jesus's or not? If it is, then you can trust that God will take care of every need that you're going to have. Unfortunately, God does not define needs the way I do. God does not define needs the way you do. I have all kinds of stuff I want that are not really needs, and they're different. The Bible does not say God is going to give you all your wants. They don't care what TV preachers tell you. But God will take care of your needs, and you can trust Him. Matthew 6 is great on this. You know the birds of the field? 
They don't worry. The, the flowers of the field, they, they don't worry. Because God will take care of them. I recently heard Rick Warren in a, in a, talking to a group, a group of pastors. He said, if you do not trust God with your money, then you don't trust him. And I think that's true. I think if you don't trust God with your money, you don't really trust him. And I share that with you because I, I want to share my own journey of stewardship. My wife and I have really wrestled with this. I came to this church knowing that, um, you know, I was, I was here part-time and we try, we're trying to go full-time. But we needed to deal with the area of stewardship in this church because um, we're hitting some savings to do our annual spending. And uh, in, going in the future, we need to get better in this area. We need some new people and we need some good giving. And so I started really looking into this idea of stewardship. I've been reading about this and wrestling with this a lot. And probably the most growth that I have had in this area has been personal. Um, I had all kinds of excuses why I didn't give. After all, I, I was a pastor. I'd given my life. And I had brought on a bunch of debt. And I had gone and gotten a three-year master's degree that I'm going to be paying off for quite a while. And uh, I, I make a pastor's salary. I had all these reasons why I just really didn't give. But you know what I found? I thought, I thought they were good reasons. They were garbage. The fact of the matter is that I didn't totally trust God. That's the truth of the matter. And for years and years and years, I played this game with God, and, and I didn't really trust Him. And so as I looked at stewardship, and I really talked it over with my wife, we just decided that we were done with that. That it was time to start giving. And so I'm going to do something that you don't normally do in church. I'm going to talk about exactly what I'm giving. Um, what we decided was that we were going to do $100 a paycheck. So $200 a month as a family. It's not a tithe. I wish it was a tithe. We decided what we decided we could do right now. If you want to know, it's about 6.6% of my gross. About 7.1% of my net, if you want to do it that way. But still, it's not a tithe. But it's what we can do right now. And I'm hoping to grow into that more and more in the coming years. And I've been doing this now for about three months. Um, and uh, I wish I could tell you one of those really cool stories about how you started giving and then God like blessed you with a bunch of extra money. Believe me, I wish I could tell you that story. <laughs> what it actually feels like is I got $200 less a month than I did four months ago. That's what it feels like. And actually, right about that time, right as my wife really, and I really decided to do that, we had somebody who had been supporting us through seminary for about $100 a month, who because of their own life circumstances and because we had gotten through seminary, stopped. So for a while there, it felt like I had $300 or less a month than I did before. So I, I wish I could have one of those stories where God like poured out a bunch of money, but it, it's not what happened. It's been tight. And I've been amazed that, that for me to give my 6.6%, I've had to manage the other 93.4% a lot better. I've had to really work. I've had to not eat out. We've, we haven't been able to eat out. We're having to plan a much more simple Christmas. Um, this, this month was a challenge because we felt like we really wanted with our family to do four of these Christmas boxes. So I'll be honest, um, because I'm doing that and, and we did a number of the boxes and, and helped with some of the shipping and stuff. Um, I'm, I'm not giving the whole hundred this today. I'm just, I can't do it. I had to cut back there because I'm giving here. 
Those are the tough dilemmas. I wish I didn't have to do that, by the way. I wish I could just give and do that. But i got to do what God calls me to do, and that put me in a tough position this month. Again, I don't know that 10% is a rule. Maybe, maybe 10% is unrealistic for you. I, as I've gone on this journey for a quarter of a year now, 10% wasn't what I could do. It was, it's been really pushing to do what I am doing. But I tell you what, I have felt really close to God in these months. I've had to, right? I've had to pray a lot more, and I've had to really give up a lot of things, and I've had to be careful, and I've had to watch. And it's doing something to me spiritually, because I'm really having to trust, and I'm realizing that, you know what, Rick Warren said something right. If you don't trust God with your money, you don't really trust Him. And I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm really starting to trust Him in a new and deeper way. And so I don't know what this means for you. I, I'm not, we're not doing some kind of commitment cards. and I'm not asking you to tell me or anybody else at this church what you're going to give. But, but I want to challenge you. Where are you with your stewardship? It's not about funding the church for me. Where are you in your relationship with your God and your trust in him on this issue? Maybe, maybe 10% is unrealistic. But maybe it's 12%. That's what you've got to give. Maybe right now you're not giving barely anything and you say, you know, 2%, every paycheck, I've got to just do 2%. Maybe I've got to step up just 1% from, from what I've been given. I don't know what it is for you. I'm not asking you to tell me what it is for you, but I am asking you to wrestle with it. I am asking you to wrestle with it because I think this is a huge opportunity for you to grow in your relationship with God. And I have for several months been wrestling with this adventure and I have not always loved it, but I'm appreciative of it. So pray, pray that God would guide you, that God would lead you. I, I gave you the handout so that you would have a whole bunch of scriptures so that you could wrestle with and pray over this issue for yourself. And you know what? Christmas is coming and it's a time when we tend to overspend. Maybe this year you think about doing things a little more simply. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful that you call us to be stewards, that you are so generous with us. Help us to be faithful stewards. Help us to trust you. Help us to give and to be generous. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.